Welcome to the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. On today's episode, EA and Joe Douglas, one-on-one an exclusive interview with the Jets general manager leading up to the draft. Of course, the draft is Thursday. It is Monday, right about 3 o'clock, 2.57 to be exact. The sun is shining here, EA. How you doing? I'm great, Greens. Listen, it is draft week, so obviously uh, the excitement is going to continue to build as we get to Thursday. But uh, at the start of the week, listen, if you're a Jets fan right now, this is what it's all about, organizational building. And Joe Douglas's first draft is general manager. We've been talking about it for months. Eight draft picks in all, that number 11 overall selection, and of course, the four in the top 80 overall. But listen, this extends past the draft greens because you're going to be active on Saturday. As soon as that draft ends, Joe and his guys are going to be on the phone trying to get some priority on drafted free agents in green and white. I wonder how the virtual draft and really the virtual pre-draft process, how that will affect the undrafted free agent process, if there will be better talent compared to years past. I'm just curious how it all break down. But you spoke to Joe Douglas after Joe Douglas spoke to the media. And one of the things that Joe Douglas spoke to the media about was the status of Jamal Adams and the Jets. Last week, Adam Schefter said, Jamal Adams probably not going to participate in the virtual offseason program which Joe Douglas emphasized are voluntary. But then he also said that the plan is still for Jamal Adams to be a Jet for life. Yeah, you're right, Greens. If you really think about it, there was nothing new on the Jamal Adams front from Joe Douglas today. He reiterated that his plan is to keep Jamal Adams a Jet for a long time. He did say that he hopes to connect with Adams after the draft. So we'll have to wait a little bit for any potential news on that front. I know you took this away as well. He said, my intent is not to move any players, but Joe Douglas has said it for months now that if a team calls, he will listen. Yeah, I think that's the essence of being a general manager. If somebody calls and wants to make a deal for one of your players, you pick up the phone, you listen, you evaluate, and you go from there. And it feels like a similar chain of events to what happened around the trade deadline in October. You think about Jamal Adams' name was in the public then, same with Le'Veon Bell, but Joe Douglas made it clear that he wasn't shopping those guys. He was just listening to calls. In terms of the draft, some players will get dealt, not necessarily Jets, but across the league. You think about guys that are potentially on the trade block, per se, or guys that haven't even been discussed. And I think that Joe Douglas's point remains the same He's not looking to move any of these guys. And the other part of this whole thing to me is maybe he hasn't spoken to Jamal Adams since the last time that Joe Douglas spoke to the media. Well, this is draft season. Maybe it's put on the back burner per se until after the draft when the draft is finally over because this is really such a long process from last May or June to present that it doesn't feel like it's the right time to even try to go about that. It, it, there's a couple points here that I'd like to stress. Number one is the offseason program for the Jets, since they don't have a new coach, begins April 27th. So the virtual offseason program has not begun. That's my first point. The second one is Joe Douglas said if he believes he is a franchise quarterback, that is the one player on his roster that is off limits. He has talked about Sam Darnold being 
a franchise quarterback. So Sam Darnold is off limits. Finally, two greens. Are we talking semantics here? I don't think we're talking semantics because to me, shopping a player means Joe Douglas getting on the phone after his conference call today and calling 20 teams and saying, hey, I'm willing to part with this guy. What are you going to give me? Listening to calls to me is taking a call from one of your peers who is a general manager in the National Football League and having a conversation. And if they bring up a player, of course, you always assess the value. Because otherwise, to your point, you're not doing your job as a general manager. I totally agree with that. And Joe Douglas said to you that he learned a lot under Ozzie Newsom, who, of course, he believes should be a Hall of Fame general manager for the Baltimore Ravens before Eric DaCosta took over a couple of years ago. And we'll talk about it after your interview right now with Joe Douglas. What Joe learned from Ozzie Newsom. Here he is, Joe Douglas, one-on-one. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. What do you think about the opportunity at hand for you and this organization on draft weekend? Oh, great opportunity, Eric. Eight picks, four in the top 79. It's a chance to really bring in guys that we're excited about, guys that we we think can come in here and make an impact, fortify this roster, really add to it. We've had great meetings with our coaching staff over the last week. Our, Our coaching staff and scouts have done a great job collaborating, navigating through the technology. I feel like our meetings are no different than having them in the facility at Florham Park. So really excited about this week. How much did the past 10 or 11 months give you an advantage as you head to the draft? Because you were able to look at this roster from a 30,000 foot, 40,000 foot level and see exactly what you have before you get your draft plan in place. No question, Eric. Being able to be here throughout training camp, throughout the season, really evaluating on a day-to-day basis, getting to know the staff, being around the scheme, offense, defense, special teams, building rapport with players and staff, having a chance to get in the meetings with our own scouts and our own personnel guys and see how they evaluate, see how you know, what lens they're looking through players. And it's really helped. I feel like it helped with our free agency process and it's going to help us this week. Speaking of your free agency process, what are the similarities and then talk about the differences as far as entering free agency compared to the draft when you're looking at players? Yeah, I think our, our process is very similar as far as how we go through setting up our free agent board versus how we go up, uh, go through setting up our draft board. We still go through a similar meetings format, similar discussions with coaches. And so it's a good forum for personnel and scouts and coaches to get together and just discuss each player's individual fit for this roster, this team, this scheme, it really helps us uh, develop a consensus after, after going through those meetings and hashing out disagreements. So take us behind the scenes. What is uh, Joe D like in those meetings with your coaching staff and also obviously your personnel guys, but the prospects as well. You're a little bit in the weeds running the run the meeting, making sure that the pace is good, that the format's good, the right questions are being asked, the right questions are being answered. But I think once we go through each coach's scouts individual opinion on the player, 
okay, no holds barred. How's this guy? How's this guy help the New York Jets? Who is he better than? Is there a comp to this player in the National Football League? Talk about the makeup, how he's going to fit in the building, not only amongst the coaches, staff, and personnel staff, but with everyone around the building. We try to come to a, a summation of what this person is going to bring. What are the final days and hours like? Because you just said our draft board is not set until Thursday night. Yeah. We're going through players. We're having strategy meetings, making phone calls. We're gathering information up until the 11th hour on, on these players. And I think we have a great group. We have great contacts around college football that can help us with any questions that we need answered. You know, we've got a great group that can come together and, and determine who the best guys are going to be for us moving forward. You started your professional career, of course, with the Baltimore Ravens in 2000. What did you take from the way Ozzie Newsom navigated throughout the draft process over the years? Ozzie was the calm in the storm. You know, in Ozzie's mind, once the hay was in the barn, we went over every scenario. We talked about every player comparison that we could, and we did all that while things were calm and rational. And so even when there was perceived pressure or perceived things were heating up, you know, Ozzie was always the, always the calm in the middle of the storm, and he brought that, you know, every day and every year in the draft. That was always unique for me to see, to see Ozzie operate. So I think for us, I think it's important that we, that we discuss every, every scenario, every, everything that can come up so that when things are getting hectic through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that, okay, we've discussed this, and this is a decision that we made when everything was calm, and we're going to stick to that decision. Obviously, Joe, I'm not going to ask you about specifics here, but what's your trading philosophy? Because speaking of Ozzy, he had quite a run there where that first pick, he was either moving up or moving back. I can't remember the number of years, but he was awfully active. Yeah, look, I mean, if the right opportunity presents itself, we're going to be as flexible as we need to. The right opportunity presents itself. If a player starts to fall, we'll be aggressive. If another team wants to reach out and, and they want to be aggressive, we're going to listen to that. So I think we have a lot of flexibility at 11 to help this team. Speaking of flexibility, but how about the four picks like you mentioned early on here in the top 80 overall, including two in that third round? Oh, yeah. Having pick 48 and then two early third round picks. I mean, there's there's going to be a lot of meat in that draft left. I mean, there's going to be a lot of good players there to choose from. I think those three picks, we really have an opportunity to set, us, set ourselves up. How about the undrafted free agent process as well? Because I know a lot of people think the draft ends after Thursday or even that seventh round on Saturday. But in terms of getting in there and getting some quality people after the draft is over. Day three is a great opportunity to really, really make your draft from good to great. The great thing about day three is that everyone around – League circles, fans, everyone, they know about these first and second round players. They've been discussed on NFL Network, ESPN. They know they know about them. Only the scouts know about, about the day three guys. So you're talking about the the late round free agent guys, and there's a lot of good players that that make your team better in that group. So you know, we spend a lot of time going over those guys, making sure that we have the right sequence, making sure we've targeted the right guys for us and we have good we have a really good 
post-draft free agency protocol that we're going to follow. Undrafted free agency is just a great opportunity to really take your take your draft from good to great. Joe, would you say you guys go into this weekend with a quiet confidence knowing that you put in the work, you had healthy discussions, you had guys on the ground throughout the year filing thorough reports, and now you have the ammo to really help this organization take a step forward? You want to make sure that you've dotted every I and you've crossed every T in terms of the detail of, of each player. So right now we're going through that. I feel confident in the work that our scouts and our coaches have done on these players. And now with the meetings that we've had, with the discussions that we've had, we formulate the game plan based off that, based off these great week of meetings that we've had, you execute it, you execute the plan. I feel good about our protocols, our format to get that done. How much of a weight do you put into character? I know we talk about talent all the time, but you've been very specific in what you're looking for in terms of a guy, what he brings on the field, but also inside the room and potentially in the community as well. Yeah, that's a big thing. That's a big thing for us because guys have to love football. I've talked about that almost every time we've, we've gotten together, Eric and, Football character is important. Personal character is important. How you treat people, you know, what kind of teammate you are. And we talk about abilities and we're talking about coachability, reliability. Those are some of the best abilities that a player can have. Those are all the things that we discuss and, and uh, it carries a lot of weight. And lastly, I got to imagine this is not the way you envisioned your first draft as Jets general manager, but uh, with all that being said, as the world uh, combats an invisible enemy in COVID-19 and a, everything going on around you, what do you think it's going to be like for you? Are you going to have a chance to say, take a step back and say, you know, this is it. This is my time. This is what we've worked for together as an organization. But you've been in this league since 2000. What do you think that first night in 2020, that draft is going to mean to you? Yeah, uh, <laughs> you haven't been in the weeds for the last few weeks with free agency and draft. I've just tried to stay in the moment and not think about anything outside of the team and the organization. It's a unique experience. It's pretty cool. This is Personally, this is what you've worked so hard to do to get to this point to try to help an organization and reach its ultimate goal, knowing that we've got guys that have been in the trench trenches for the last few months and since August. And it makes you feel good and excited about the opportunity that we're going to have starting on Thursday to really help this organization. Thanks, Joe. We'll be talking to you throughout the weekend. Okay. Thanks, man. EA, I thought Joe was great, and you spoke to him earlier in this pre-draft process, more so talking about free agency, and I thought he was great then. I thought he was great in this interview here. And going back to what he learned under Ozzie Newsom, the calm in the storm, and really focusing on the preparation when everything is calm so that if things start to get a little bit hectic in the draft, you stick to your guns, you stick to what you know, what you believe in, and that's how you execute a draft. Greens, I think the man is just so steady. And what you see is what you get uh, from Joe. The person that you just heard during that interview or on the conference call with the media, that's the guy you're getting behind the scenes. Uh, he is a measured 
uh, person, very confident in his abilities, but also willing to listen to everybody on his staff. And he's confident in this group. So when this weekend gets underway, (laughs) the first virtual draft in NFL history, I don't anticipate Joe Douglas, his heartbeat to jump at all. I think Joe's ready for this. He has uh, his NFL career has brought him to this point. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of Ozzie Newsome in him this weekend and in the weekends uh, down the line because I think he's going to be leading this team for a lot of drafts. Hopefully the one and only virtual draft because although this is very unique, I I like it a lot more when it's in person. I'm sure Joe Douglas would enjoy that a little bit more than being at home in his at-home office which, by the way, I know this is a podcast, but in the interview, your one-on-one interview, you, which you can watch on NewYorkJets.com, I love the Joe Namath photo right behind Joe Douglas, right over his head. Got to give the man props for that. I'm wondering if uh, Steve Piazza, uh, director IT, who works with uh, Tommy Murphy, Murph, of course, a Long Island native who heads up the whole IT group. wonder if Piazza brought that over to him you know, this week, or maybe just maybe Joe has had that one around for some time, but yeah, iconic photograph of Joe Namath. And by the way, when I went back and looked at that greens, I think that's one of the photos I scanned back in the old archives at Weeb Eubank Hall in Hempstead. I swear to swear on that because the old images greens, they weren't on slides and there was no such thing as digital, obviously. They were all prints. So for us to keep those images, we actually had to scan them. That's one of the images I scanned. <laughs> so there you go. EA is a part of Joe Douglas's at-home office. And something that Joe talked about also in the conference call was about free agency, but after the draft. We've talked about the different waves of free agency before, and the first couple days is the first wave, and then a couple weeks after that is the second wave. Well, after the draft, it almost seems like there's an injection of life into free agency. And Joe Douglas said that he anticipates that it'll happen a little sooner after the draft than in years past. And there are some good players still left on the market. So depending on, let's say, who and what positions the Jets attack in the draft, they could still add a valuable piece in free agency afterwards. Yeah, you're right about that. And that was very interesting. And that's something we can touch upon with Joe uh, further this coming draft weekend. But the market was different this year, Greens. I think a lot of players thought the market might be different early. So when we talk about tiers and free agency, I mean, what we're actually going to witness probably is a new tier post-draft. Uh, the Jets do have money under the cap, so they do have some flexibility if they want to make some moves. And there are some veterans out there who have had productive careers who still can give you some value on the field in 2020 looking for new homes. Some of these guys that are still on the market, the headliners, Jadavian Clowney, you and I have talked about Jason Peters in the past, Vinnie Curry, Logan Ryan. I mean, those are just some guys that stand out to me without looking at a list. But I think that Joe Douglas has a plan not only for the draft, not only for who's on the board at pick 11, maybe trade up, trade back scenarios, rounds one through seven. But when you think about 
where the Jets are right now, and you think about the potential impact of a draft that has four picks in the top 79 and eight overall, EA, one team, one scenario that I've come back to multiple times is the Saints in 2017. Coming off a 7-9 and nine season, they held the number 11 overall pick. It sounds a little familiar right now. Well, in that draft, EA, at 11, they selected Marshawn Lattimore, the cornerback out of Ohio State. Then at 31, they selected Ryan Ramchek, the tackle. And then you go further and further, they got Alvin Kamara in the third round. They got Marcus Williams, the safety, in the second round. And then they got a contributor in Trey Hendrickson and Alex Anzalone. When I look at that draft, you think about that's probably one of the anomalies where the Saints really nailed almost all of their draft picks. I'm not saying Joe Douglas will do that, but he has an opportunity to add a number of day one contributors, if not starters, if you hit on these guys, not only in rounds one and two, but really three through seven. And of course, like we've talked about before, the undrafted guys. Yeah, especially in this draft. I was talking to Bob Schusen about this the other day, the voice of the Jets. He said he wouldn't be surprised if the Jets took the three or four offensive players in those first over those first four picks, uh, ending up with that ladder pick in the third round. You know, so I know for uh, months now, people have pegged either tackle or receiver to the Jets at 11 if they stay there. Well, we'll have to see how that all plays out, no doubt about that. But uh, the wide receiver class, we've talked about its depth. We talked about its talent and how far it extends. There are some tackle prospects that I think people probably shouldn't be sleeping on either. Um, so I think this is a good draft for the Jets going in because a lot of their perceived needs on paper greens, I think there are good classes in those groups, specifically offensively, wide receiver and tackle. Uh, when we're talking about wrapping our arms around Sam Darnold, that's what the Jets are trying to do here. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I do think it's an interesting edge class. I want to know, where is the drop-off for the cornerbacks, boundary cornerbacks? I talked to um, Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl the other day. He said he really liked slot cornerbacks. And no doubt about it, those nickels are very important in the National Football League, but the Jets more so have the need on the outside right now. I think that's a great point that the way the draft is shaping up right now fits what the Jets perceivably need on their roster heading into it. And we'll all see what happens on Thursday night, just a couple days away. And on tomorrow's podcast, EA, myself, Anthony Becht, we're going through a mock draft over the next two podcasts. Then on Thursday, the whole thing comes together. And that was another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. EA, I'll see you tomorrow for the mock draft. Looking forward to it, Grinch.